Good evening. We're on the very bottom of 20A. Chaf Ahmed Aleph at the Mishnah, the last line on 20A. Nashim va'avadim uketanim petur mikriyashma. Women and servants and minors are exempt from saying the Shema. Umin hat filin, and they're also exempt from putting on filin. Now we're on the next page, 20B. But they are obligated in the uh, daily prayer services, in putting up a mezuzah in their home, and um, grace after meals. All right, we'll start from the second line on 20B, the Gemara. Kriyashma Pshita. Now it should seem obvious that women are exempt from the Shema. Isn't saying the Shema a mitzvah that is dependent on time, meaning it's a mitzvah that needs to be fulfilled within a specific period of time? And we know and we know that all mitzvahs that are dependent on time, Nashim Peturos, women are exempt from. So why do we need to teach you that Shema, a woman is exempt from the mitzvah of Shema, wouldn't, shouldn't that be obvious because it's a, it is a time-dependent mitzvah? So we answer, Mahu So you may have thought, perhaps you would have said that since in the Shema is the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, so it's a very significant mitzvah, Perhaps we would say a woman would be obligated in it, even though it is time-dependent. Kamash malan. Therefore, the Mishnah teaches us that no, even though it has the acceptance of the yoke of heaven, a woman is still exempt from saying the Shema. All right, now we're going to analyze the next part. It says that women were exempt, women's um, servants and minors are exempt from tefillin, umin ha tefillin. Pshita, again, this should be obvious as well, because it is also a time-dependent mitzvah. Tefillin is not put on at night, and it's also not put on on Shabbos or on the holidays. So it's a time-dependent mitzvah, so it should be obvious that a woman is exempt from it. So we answer, So we say that you may have thought that since it is juxtaposed to the mitzvah of mezuzah, meaning the mitzvah of tefillin and the mitzvah of mezuzah are right next to each other in the Torah. You may have thought that they have the same obligations, and just like a woman is obligated in putting up a mezuzah, so too she would be obligated in wearing tefillin. Kamash malan, therefore the Mishnah teaches us that she is actually actually exempt from putting on tefillin. Now we're going to analyze the next part of the Mishnah, where we said that a woman is obligated in saying shmon esrei, in saying the, the daily prayer services. And we're wondering why, because the daily prayer services are also time-dependent. So why would a woman be obligated in the prayer services? So we answer, um, The prayer services are asking God for mercy. And because women also need mercy, we say that they are obligated in the prayer services. Now, Mahu now, you may have thought that, so that is why a woman is obligated in the prayer service, because it's about asking for mercy, and women need to ask for mercy just like men. So, however, you may have thought the woman should be exempt. Why? Because it says about praying, it says that you pray in the evening and in the morning and in the afternoon. 
So you may have thought that this would be a time-bound mitzvah. You may have thought that this was like a time-bound mitzvah. Therefore, we teach you that a woman is obligated in say, in praying, um, um, and it is not considered a time-bound mitzvah. Um, this gets into a whole discussion if if we're referring here to just that spontaneous prayer, or are we talking about the actual prayer services and what exactly is a woman obligated in? Um, just by the way, this page of the Talmud in the Gemara is incredibly crucial to um, the whole discussion of women in Jewish law. Uh, most of this, a lot of the, a lot of the halacha comes from this very page of the Gemara. Uve mezuzah, and then we're going to talk about what we said that a woman is obligated to put up a mezuzah pshita. That should be obvious. Why would we think any any? Why would we think any differently? So we answer mahu You may have thought being that the mitzvah of mezuzah is right next, juxtaposed to the mitzvah of learning Torah, and we know that a woman is not obligated in learning Torah. Now that's not so simple. Um, there certainly are is Torah learning that a woman is obligated in. So we won't get into that, but there is also Torah learning that a woman is not obligated in. So you may have thought that just like a woman's not obligated in specific Torah learning, so too a woman would not be obligated to put up a mezuzah, kamash malan. Therefore, the Mishnah teaches us otherwise, that a woman certainly is obligated to put up a mezuzah. And then the last part of the Mishnah said, uve verchas hamazon, a woman is obligated to say the grace after meals. Pshita, that should be obvious. Mahu so no, you may have thought... Perhaps you would have said, When God, being that it is written, when God gives you basar um, when God gives you at night meat to eat, and bread in the morning to satisfy you. So you may have thought because the verse said talks about meat at night and bread in the morning. So we may have thought, and after those meals, you then have to bless. So you may have thought, um, you may have thought that the grace after meals is almost like some sort of time-dependent mitzvah. Therefore, the mission needs to teach us that no, it's not, and therefore a woman is obligated in the blessing after the meals. Omar, Rav Ada Bar Ahava, we are now 15 lines down in the middle of the line. Omar of Adabar Ava, of Adabar says, Noshim Chayavos Bekidush Hayom, Devar Torah. Women are obligated to say Kiddush on Shabbos um, by Torah law. Amai, now why should that be? Isn't Kiddush on Shabbos mitzvah sase shahazman gramahu? Isn't Kiddush saying Kiddush on Shabbos a time dependent mitzvah? It's Kiddush for Shabbos, a specific period of time. And all time-dependent mitzvahs, women are exempt from. So why would they be obligated in saying, why would a woman be obligated in saying Kiddush? Omar Abaye, so Abaye answers, It's only that the rabbi is obligated, but not from Torah law. But there's obviously a problem. Amalei Rava, Rava said to Abaye, your understanding is wrong. Didn't Rav Adar Ava himself say, that they have a biblical obligation. So why would you say that it's just rabbinic? Va'od, and furthermore, kol If this is the case, that the rabbis would come along and require a woman to, and obligate a woman in a time-bound mitzvah by Kiddush, 
then really they why wouldn't they obligate a woman in time-bound mitzvahs all over the place? And we know that that's not the case, so it's kind of a strange answer to think that specifically by Kiddush, the rabbis would have obligated a woman in a time-dependent mitzvah. So really you must be wrong. Ella, rather, a woman must is obligated biblically in saying Kiddush, but why? Amar Rava, Rava explains, Amar Kra, the verse says, Zachor Vishamor. The verse says about Shabbos, you shall remember it and you shall keep it or guard it. And the we we make a uh, drasha, we expound those two words that describe how we need to approach Shabbos to teach us, kol sheyeshno b'shmira, anyone that's obligated in guarding it and keeping Shabbos, not breaking the Shabbos. Yeshno b'zechira, that same person is also obligated to remember Shabbos. Now, how do you remember Shabbos? That is by, um, that is through saying Kiddush. The honey nashi, so these women hold the isno b'shmira, being that they're obligated to observe the Shabbos here, to guard the Shabbos, not to break the 39 laws of Shabbos. So isno b'shmira, then they also are obligated to remember the Shabbos through Kiddush. Um, Omar le Ravina le. Okay, we are now about halfway down. Amar le Ravina the Rava. Ravina said to Rava, Nashim bevir kasamazon. When it comes to women, a woman's obligation in saying the um, in saying the grace after meals is that de oraisa o Is that um, according to the biblical law or according to rabbinic law? So then we ask, Now, what difference does it make if it's rabbinically obligated or? Biblically obligated. So we answer, It makes a difference, and this is very important. When it comes to being motzi somebody else, in halacha and Jewish law, you could, if you, let's say, you don't know how to say the grace after meals, or you don't want to say the grace after meals, and but you still want to fulfill your obligation of saying the grace after meals, someone else can say it, you listen, you respond, you have in mind to fulfill your obligation through that person saying it, and you have fulfilled your obligation. That's how it works. So what we're saying, asking now, can a woman help somebody else fulfill their obligation? In Hebrew, it's called being motzi. So can a woman be motzi somebody else in bless in, in benching, in the grace after meals? If you're going to say that a woman's obligation in the grace after meals is biblical, then then a woman, a, a biblical obligation can come and be motzi somebody else who has the same biblical obligation of grace after meals. So if a woman's obligation to say the grace after meals is um, on a biblical level, then she could go ahead and be motzi a man who has a biblical obligation in grace after meals if they've eaten a certain amount, and she can be motzi a man. But but uh, but omrit have. But if you're gonna say that a woman's obligation in the grace after meals is just rabbinic, then have Then according to Torah law. It would be as if she's not obligated to say the grace after meals. And being that she's not obligated on a biblical level, then she cannot 
help others fulfill their obligations. She cannot be motzi others who actually have a biblical obligation in the grace after meals. So it actually makes a huge difference if a woman's obligation to say the grace after meals is dirabanan, is rabbinic or biblical. So my, so what is it? Does a woman's obligation rabbinic or biblical? Tashma. So this is the proof we're going to bring. Tashma. So the tough and a shin. Tashma. Come in here. Ba'emes amru. Ben mevarech la'aviv. We said that certainly, that, um, the, the, the truthfully they said that a son can bless for his father, can help his, could be motzi his father in grace after meals. Ve'evim mevarech la'rabo, and a servant can bless for his master. Ve'isha mevareches la'bala, and a woman can bless for her husband. Avol amru chachamim, but the sages still said, Tavo me'erala adam, May a curse befall the person, who has to rely on their wife or their children to bless for them, and they themselves do not know how to bless. But what do we see? So yes, they shouldn't be doing this because, or it's not good if they don't know how to, if a man does not know how to bless and relies on somebody else. But what we do see is that a woman could be motzi her husband. Now, it's all right if you say, it's understandable if you say that a woman's obligation in grace after meals is uh, biblical, then because then we would say that her biblical obligation could come and be motzi, her husband's biblical obligation. But if you're going to say that a woman's um, obligation for grace after meals is only rabbinic, can a rabbinic obligation, somebody with a rabbinic obligation, come and be motzi someone that actually has a biblical obligation? That doesn't make any sense. Rather, it must be that a woman has a biblical obligation in grace after meals. But now, according to your reasoning, is a minor somebody that has a biblical obligation in the grace after meals, and yet we still said that a minor, a son could be motzi his father. And a minor certainly does not have a biblical obligation. So perhaps your proof is not a very good proof because we see in when it comes to grace after meals, someone with a rabbinic obligation can still be motzi some of the biblical obligation. So perhaps a woman actually just has a biblical a rabbinic obligation as well. So we answer, Rather, what must be the case here? Why is it that we do allow a minor to be motzi his father? What is the case? Here, what are we dealing with? It must be where the father just ate the, an amount of food that only required a after-blessing according to rabbinic law, because because then somebody that has a bit rabbinic obligation to say the grace after meals can go ahead and be motzi, umapik derabanan, can be motzi someone else that has a rabbinic level obligation in the grace after meals. That is why in this specific scenario, a minor can go ahead and be motzi his father. And perhaps that's also why a woman couldn't be motzi her husband in this specific scenario, but perhaps not in general. So in other words, we do not have a proof that, um, one way or the other whether a woman is obligated in grace after meals biblically or rabbinically. Okay, so now we talked about, now we introduced this concept that depending on what you eat uh, makes a difference on whether your grace after meal is biblical or rabbinic. So now we're going to kind of riff on that for a bit.
Darish Ravavira. Ravavira expounded. Okay, we're at the colon. Um, the last colon before the next Mishnah. Um, yeah, the last colon before the next Mishnah. Darish Ravavira. Ravavira expounded. Zimnin Amr Lamishmeh Rebbe Ami. Sometimes he would say it in the name of Rebbe Ami. The Zimnin, and sometimes Amr Allah Mishmeh Rebbe Asi. He would say it in the name of Rebbe Asi. Amru Malachei Hashares Lefnei Kadosh Baruch the, um, the angels said before God, Ribono Sholam, Master of the Universe, it's written in your Torah, that you, God, um, you do not show favor, if you don't show favoritism, and you do not accept bribes. But wait a minute, don't you show favor to the Jewish people? As the verse says, May God... Um, shine his countenance upon you, show favor to you. So how do we understand this? How could God break God's own words and show favor specifically to the Jewish people? That's what the angels wanted to know. And then Omar Lahem, God answered to the angels, V'chilo esafanim Israel. Does it not make sense? Should I not be showing favoritism to the Jewish people? Of course I should. Shekasafti lehem b'Torah, because I wrote for them in the Torah. Ve'achalta ve'savato uverachta as Hashem alokacha. You shall eat and you shall be satisfied, and then you shall bless the Lord your God, making it very clear that you only bless if you become satisfied. Ve'heim medaktekim al atzman, whereas the Jewish people they go so beyond the letter of the law, they're so careful ad kezayis va'ad kebeitza. That even if they're just eating an olive's worth or an egg's worth, so they're not going to be satisfied, they still make the blessings afterwards. How could I not show them favoritism? How could I not show them favor? Okay, so now we are at the Mishnah. We're about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight lines down before the lines get wide. We're going to talk about a new topic. Okay. Balkeri maharher belibo ve'eno mevarech lo lefanehav Somebody that had a seminal omission and had not yet gone to the mikvah. Um, by the way, these laws no longer apply, but um, they did at this point in time. Um, so somebody that had a seminal omission um, and they did not yet immerse themselves. So and ca it came time for the Shema. So they say the Shema to themselves, meaning in their heart, but they don't say the blessings before or afterwards. Ba'al hamazon, if they eat, mevarech la'acharav, they say the after blessings, ve'enu mevarech lefanav, but they do not say the blessings beforehand. Rabbi Yehuda, Omer, Rabbi Yehuda says, mevarech lifnehem u'la'acharehem, Rabbi Yehuda says this is not true. Whether it was shma, or whether it was in the case of eating, you say the blessings beforehand and afterwards um, in this scenario. Okay, now we are at the Gemara. Omer Ravina, Ravina says, zosomeris, we can see from here, that hear her kedibor dami, that thinking words is as if you said them. Because if you're going to say it's not like as if you said the words when you think them. Why would we even bother requiring somebody that has seminal mission to contemplate or to think about the words, to say the words to themselves? If it doesn't mean anything, if it's not as if you actually said them, then why would we require you to, to even think about them? Elamai, rather it must be, hear hor kidibor dami, rather it must be that contemplating is like speaking, is like saying them. But if that's the case, yotzi bisfasa, but if contemplating is just as is, is no different than saying it, then why don't we just yotzi bisfasa, then just tell the person who had a seminal mission to say it. So which one is it? 
So we answer, We're going to do like we saw at Mount Sinai. When it came time to Mount Sinai, um, what we say was that somebody, okay, the concept is a little bit of a stretch, I think, but this is the idea that at Mount Sinai, um, after, after having um, sexual relations, which so obviously after having a seminal omission, before hearing the Torah being given, so again, the Torah was said, not contemplated, but said, we required you to immerse. So we see that when it comes to words, spoken immersion is necessary. So, so too here, when it comes to the Shema or the blessings before and after the Shema, when it comes, I'm sorry, to the Shema, we would say that if you had a seminal omission, although in legally contemplation and saying the words perhaps are the same, um, we learn from Mount Sinai and we, require, and we require you to immerse yourself before you allow the words to uh, come out of your mouth. That's basically the idea. For Reb Chista Omar, Reb Chista says, um, Really, contemplating is not like saying it. Because if you would think that contemplation is like speech, then then allow the person that, um, then why doesn't the person that had a seminal mission just say the Shema out loud? If contemplation is like speech, then why would we require specifically contemplation and not allow them to say it out loud? Rather, it must be that contemplation is not like speech and we only allow them... To contemplate. But wait a minute. Elamai, rather, what does that mean? Hear her lav kadibardami. That would mean then that um, contemplation is not like speech. Loma maharher, then why is there even a point of contemplating in the first place? If it doesn't do the same thing as speaking it, then why bother with the contemplation in the first place? Amar Abelazar, Sarbelazar answered, Kadeshalo Yehu Kol Haolam Oskimbo. So that it's really only the only reason we say to contemplate it is so that you don't you don't find yourself in a circumstance where everybody else is in the middle of saying Shema and he is just sitting and not doing anything. And he is sitting and not doing anything. But then we ask the Negros But if that's really the whole problem that you're worried that he's just gonna sit there idly, then why don't we just say study a different study a different chapter of learning? Don't specifically think about the Shema, study something else. So Amar Avadabrav explained, but Davrashat Sibar Oskimpo. It's appropriate to be involved in the same thing that the rest of the community is involved with. So that's why we tell them to contemplate the saying of the Shema, the words of the Shema. So that's the idea. We'll stop here for now. So what we did today is actually incredibly important stuff. We talked about um, different mitzvos and why a woman is not obligated in them, um, and uh, spoke about some very interesting questions revolving around those, uh, revolving around that topic. Um, we also learned the idea of being motzi somebody, of helping someone else fulfill your obligation through your recital, and we learned that you have to have the same level of obligation as the other person if you want to be able to be motzi somebody, uh, that other person, and that is very applicable in Jewish law. Um, and then we talked a little bit about um, God showing favor to the Jewish people. Then we had a Mishnah talking about what somebody with a seminal mission does. And then we talked about if contemplating words are, say, are legally, are they the same thing as seeing the words? Have a uh, 
great night, a great day, and a great week.